Why do you want to fight? This is the fight game with Demond Cotton. Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting edition of the fight game on 1230 The Game. I am your host, Damon Cotton, and I say it every week, and I know I do, but man, is it always true. There is just so much to talk about in the world of combat sports. Such a big weekend that happened right here in Vegas this past weekend. I mean, you had the WWE announcing on Friday night that, hey, there's going to be a surprise press conference with Logan Paul had to go to that. And then there was also UFC Fight Night. Had to go to that. Canelo Triple G. Hey, I'll be honest. I'm not big time enough to get into Canelo Triple G. The trilogy was also this past Saturday here in Vegas. So like I said, there was just so much to get into this past weekend. I mean, you even have Jose Aldo announcing his retirement. Does that mean that he's going to be done with the fight game forever? I do not believe so. I think that that just means he's done with the UFC for now. And the UFC, he had one fight left on his contract, but the UFC is going to release him. So just off the gate, WWE was in town. One of the biggest boxing fights of the year was in town. And always, you cannot forget about the UFC as they are putting together a spectacular card just about every week. So with all that, where do we start? Going to start at UFC Vegas 60 because I say it every time when you go to these cards at the Apex, you never know what you're going to get. And it was phenomenal. You start, you, you get the main event. Let's go there first. Let's just start at, for me, the best fight of the night. Corey Sanhagen taking on Song Yadong. And it was just brutal war. Corey Sanhagen, the way he talks about mixed martial arts, it's just special. He's, you know, he's using mixed martial arts to grow as a person. And it was just, you. that was maybe a theme for the night with so many of the fighters on the card where not only are they fighters, are they mixed martial artists, but also just the way that the sport has helped them grow as people. And Corey Sanhagen is no exception to that. But as the way he surgically picked apart song, in this fight was just special slicing him open with an elbow so by the time that fifth round came around the referee had no choice but to stop it got the tko victory due to a stoppage there but song would have kept going Corey mentioned it in the post-fight press conference about how this guy was smiling at him as he's got the blood running down his face and he's smiling and he's enjoying it so song really wanted to keep going in that fifth round and it was close on the judges scorecards with song winning the first two and Corey getting the second two on a few of the scorecards. But alas, we did not get to see what would have happened in that fifth and final round, and for good reason. I know sometimes that the doctors get a little grief of maybe something's a bad stoppage or it shouldn't have happened. But that was a good stoppage. I mean, that cut was gnarly. Seeing it up close, it was just, whoo. The doctors, they did get it right that time there. But still a great fight. Joe Pfeiffer on the card, you know, a winner of the Contender Series. He's got the contract from the Contender Series, his first fight in the UFC. Wins the fight. And just his story about going from coming from Philly, the UFC, now training out here in Vegas, to where it's the point of, hey, man, 
I know a lot of grief. Francis Ngannou going to touch on that a little bit, too, where Francis Ngannou comes out about the UFC and the pay scale. But then you hear the stories of, hey, man, Dana White gave me a house is what Joe Pfeiffer said, you know, was basically homeless. And Dana White gave him a house, gave him somewhere to live. Where So it's one of those. It's a it's a fine line about. We know that Dana White could fight or pay be higher. Yes, there are hundreds of fighters in the UFC, but this is a billion dollar corporation. I mean, they're signed with the Disney Corporation, for, for God's sake. They are under the Disney umbrella. So could fight or pay be higher? Yes. But you also hear countless stories of UFC fighters saying, hey, but when I needed them to, they took care of me. So where does that balance out between, hey, the UFC took care of me when it comes to, hey, I was homeless and they gave me a house? Or would you just want more pay on would you or would a fighter just want more pay up front? I just want to be paid more when I actually step into the octagon and you don't have to take care of me on the back end or on the side. And it's something that people do not know about. And that's the difference between a guy who's early in his MMA career winning the contender series. And Francis Ngannou, the heavyweight champion of the world. He says that, you know, as the company signs more and more deals that they are losing, they're losing their their power. You know, the company just Nate Diaz mentioned it in this past fight that he had about two weeks ago where he's mentioning the Rocks training shoe, the Rocks training shoe with Under Armour. And Nate Diaz says they made me wear these shoes. These shoes effing suck. And I don't know. I've never tried them. I, I cannot speak to the quality of the Rocks Under Armour shoe. But I do know that the payer, excuse me, the players, the fighters, I do know that the fighters are not getting paid. They are not being compensated. They are not getting a cut of what the UFC is getting from their new deal with Under Armour and The Rock's new training shoe. So that is a part of the problem when it comes to these fighters and when they talk about the pay and the promotion. Here's a quote from Francis Ngannou. We have nobody there to advocate for us, just in the room making decision. Nobody cares for the fighters, even though there are about 700 fighters in the promotion. Don't believe they make all those decisions to harm fighters, but sometimes they just don't understand the fighter's position. There are a lot of things that can be changed. The fighters pay. That's a huge problem and everyone's aware of it. And it seems like we keep rolling like nothing is going on. The health insurance, the same problem. I would like to see some of those solved. And that's Francis Ngannou, and he hasn't fought in the UFC since January. And we don't know when he's going to be coming back, coming off of a knee injury, that he did win that heavyweight fight against Cyril Gaon with the knee injury. You know, really improved his wrestling to get there, to get that win. But he is the heavyweight champion until further notice. So what is it going to be? Where you mentioned, I just read you the quote, you can hear it for yourself, about how Francis Ngannou feels. And that's someone that's at the top of the game and we just don't know about the fighter pay where he mentioned health care. We see it time and time again where sometimes it's usually the vets. It's the people who brought who's built up enough equity, the people who can say, hey, UFC, I've been here long enough and something needs to change. And like I said, I mentioned Joe Pfeiffer. Also, I want to play some sound from Andre Touchy Feely, who was also on the past UFC Vegas card this past Saturday, because what he said, it, it was also about him growing as a man. But he just it's just also about how much he loves the UFC, because that love that some of the fighters have for the UFC and what the UFC means to them, that has to speak to something. So here's what Touchy Philly had to say after his fight in the post fight press conference. And I thought it was real inspiring stuff. And I want you to hear it. Coach, I told my coach, Danny Castillo, who is a, is an older brother to me. and He's seen me through all these highs and lows in this sport. And 
I've given myself, I've given my soul to this. Like I, I love this, I love this game. I've given everything I am to this. And I, I looked at him before we walked out, and I said, "We've done it every way. And tonight we're gonna have fun. Like that's what we're gonna do. Tonight we're gonna have some fucking fun. I've tried it every way. I felt every emotion. I've had every high and low. You guys have watched me grow up in this sport, in this company, and I, I, I love this. I love this game. I love this company, and." Um, I looked at my coach. I said, we're going to have fun tonight. That's what we're going to do. We've done it every other way. And there have been a lot of times in my life where I didn't like who I was. And I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. And you know, fighting was as much about self-destruction as it was self-improvement. I, 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 didn't, I didn't love myself, you know. And this is the, one of the first times in my life where I like the person I see in the mirror. And I treat myself like someone who's happiness I'm responsible for and I deserve to be happy like for the first time I look at myself and I feel that and so I think I think that affects the way I fight now I think it affects the way I go into these things like I'm I'm so grateful to be where I'm at and I'm I owe so much to fighting and I love this so much like from now on we're gonna have some fun that's awesome yeah and that is awesome that Andre Touchy as he defeated Bill Algio Algio excuse me in a Tough decision. It wasn't that close on the scorecards. He didn't believe so after the fight because it's so great to have this access with the UFC to ask questions in these press conferences where people were just where the fighters are telling you, hey, I didn't think it was that close at all. But I will say that third round was as bloody as it gets in the UFC. He also mentioned about how there was blood because he was working a rear naked choke the entire third round. It felt like and Bill was punching him in the back, punching him in the back, just giving him punches you know that was really slowing him down but philly also mentioned about how the blood was such a problem that he couldn't secure that rear naked choke he said with all the blood it gets a little sticky but the main message of what he just said there about the ufc giving him a home how much the ufc has meant to him and becoming a better person and he also had a follow-up question about when did the switch click for him as a person to just say because you know we when fighters mention about how they've changed, I do think that that opens up the door. So you don't just see them as these gladiators that just go in there and they go to war. We know that. We see that on TV. We see it up close and personal when you go to these fights. But these are real men who have real issues. And I love it when they talk about them. And this is Andre talking about it some more. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, maybe a, a mix of things. Um... Yeah, father time is undefeated, you know what I mean? And it's a weird, because growing up, I didn't picture myself as a 32-year-old, you know? Like, I, I pictured myself, like, I, I lived in a way that was so chaotic and self-destructive for so long that I just was like, you know, when you're young, you think you just, like, you just live like a rock star, and then, like, you just explode, and that's it, and that's your story, you know? Like, you, you don't, like, you, you make choices, and you live with the consequences, and you learn and you wake up one day and you're like, oh, like I'm a 30-year-old man and I have to set an example for my nephews and my nieces and the people I love and I want to be a good teammate. I want to be a good older brother. I want to be uh, a good dad one day. I want, I want to be a person that I like, you know? And so, yeah, I think, I think it's probably just time, but it's weird because it, I guess maybe it has been gradual, but to me it feels like overnight, like I just woke up one day and was like, I don't want to do dumb shit anymore. Like, you know, it's like, sounds so, it's, it sounds simple, but it really isn't. Like you wake up and you, you wake up and you just go, man, I want to like the person I see in the mirror. And so I'm going to make decisions that align with my core values and 
I'm going to make the decisions that are the decisions, like the person I want to be, how would they make a dis this decision? The person that I want to be, how would they handle this situation? Again, I really just wanted to play that because not only maybe you listening need to hear that message, but even hearing it up close and personal when he was saying it Saturday night, to me it resonated with just, man, for him the flip, the switch just flipped and he said, hey man, I don't want to do dumb stuff anymore. I want to be a better person. And for me, like I said, getting a little personal here about the show, but it resonated about, man, here's a guy that you just don't want to wake up a 30-year-old man and say, man, where is all the time gone? He's almost up there when it comes to fights in the UFC. He's been in the promotion for a long time and for that switch to flip. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago that the UFC, when you have the Nate Diaz's, when you have the guys that are, maybe they're not going to be contending for the championship every time they're on the card. That's great, but you still need to build up those fan favorites that people want to see and that they want to rally behind and get behind. And those fighters in the UFC are just as important as the champions, as the guys that are always at the top of the card, the guys that have cemented their legacy as all-time greats. The Andre Touchy Feelys, these are the guys that also matter in the UFC. And when we come back from break, we're going to be talking to Sam Gordon. Oh, wow. Sam Gordon is going to be talking to us about Triple G and Canelo, the trilogy. And even after Sam Gordon, we're also going to be talking to Tony Khan. Got, there was so much to talk about that I forgot to even give you the guest lineup. Okay, so let me give you that as well. Coming back from break, we're going to be talking to Sam Gordon from the Review Journal. And after that, we're going to be talking to Tony Khan, the president and owner and the booker of AEW. And we're even going to finish off the show with a few good minutes from Jared. You don't want to miss anything. This is The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to The Fight Game with Demond Cotton. Now joining me on the phone lines is my next guest, Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Now, Sam, before we get into Canelo Triple G, I've got to ask you, last night, Adam Hill was putting on his Instagram story a little bit about Trivia <laughs> Night. So how did Trivia <laughs> Night go for the Review Journal crew? Uh, uh, first and foremost, Demont, thank you for having me. Trivia Night was a smashing success. Uh, our team was, was able to capture uh, the, the, trivia, the, the Wednesday Night Trivia Championship. Um, over there at a brewery by the RJ, so uh, I'm roosting in that. <laughs> even today, you know, even 12 hours later, the championship scene has not worn off. So it was a great time, Demond. I appreciate you asking. What were some of the questions that you answered? Because I've never done a trivia night, and I would just be frustrated by not knowing so many questions. So what were you? What are your strong suits when it comes to trivia? No, oh, geez, that's a great question. Um, the, the 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 answer I think I'm most proud of last night. There was a a category where the the answers all involved a bunch of words or a bunch of vowels. Right, a bunch of vowels. That was, you know, lots of vowels. Mainly vowels was the name of the category, and there was a question um, that had something that it was a, a French word that that meant in replacement of um, or in in place of, uh, you know, and the, that was the blank. The word was the blank, and that, that, the, the answer I, you know, I I helped our team with was in lieu of. That was the answer, lieu, L I E U, in lieu of. So, you know, vocabulary stuff. Uh, there was some math questions that I that I thought I was okay at. Some of the music stuff. Uh, there was also some of the uh, like the pop culture stuff that I had absolutely no idea about. So fortunately, I had great teammates um, on, on my on my team to to pick me up um, when I wasn't able to deliver, and I just tried to do the best to play my part uh, and lift our team to victory. All right, now taking it back to this past Saturday night, where well, you had the trilogy of 
Sal Canelo Alvarez, and Gennady Golovkin. Now, a, a part of the dispute was because I think Canelo won it easily, but it was so close on the judges' scorecard. Two judges had it 115 to 113. What did you see there at T-Mobile Arena? Yeah, I, I really, I, I thought it was totally one-sided. I, I didn't think it was close at all. On my scorecard, I actually thought it was, I actually had a 12 nothing, a clean sweep um, in favor of Canelo Alvarez, although if you wanted to, to argue about a, a round or two later in the fight for Triple G, uh, I certainly wouldn't push back too much. I think you could definitely make a case that Triple G won, you know, two rounds, one or two rounds or so. But anything beyond that w was absolutely ridiculous. And for all the controversy that the scorecards, about the scorecards in these first two fights, you would have thought that there wouldn't have been any this time around, that, you know, the, the, the judges would have been on their P's and Q's been at their absolute best. Uh, but 115-113 in favor of Canelo means, DeMond, if, if Triple G would have won one more round on those two cards, we would have been looking at a majority draw. And quite frankly, um, that just wasn't the case. I, I, I think you saw uh, Canelo Alvarez on a mission on Saturday to avenge his loss against Dimitri Bebo. And as a result, um, with the way he approached that fight, with the way he fought, with what he was able to do in the ring, especially in the first eight rounds or so, because he did acknowledge he was starting to gas out at the end. But um, it wasn't close. I mean, he made Triple G look every bit of 40. Uh, I mean, every bit of 40. Uh, his defense was on full display. I think he was a little bit more slick um, than we certainly have seen him um, in, in recent fights. The hand speed, I think, was concerning um, for Triple G. And, and he, quite frankly, was able to just walk him down and, and back him up. And um, we haven't seen Triple G backed up like that in, in a fight uh, ever before. It does. It is reflective of, look, he's 40. He's been in a lot of battles, a lot of wars. Uh, and Father Time is undefeated. And Canelo Alvarez did a good job of exploiting that on Saturday night. Again, with that said, um, the, the, I thought the scorecards were absolutely ridiculous. And this continues to be one of the biggest problems plaguing boxing because, yes, they ultimately got it right, and the right winner um, did win this fight, and that was Canelo with the, with the unanimous decision. But we've seen it far too many times, DeMond, where you, where you get bogus cards that really affect uh, the outcome of a fight and, you know, and turn the trajectory of a fighter's career. So that is something that needs to be rectified as soon as possible. I feel like a broken record. You know, I'm not the only person that says this, but that was the real I think one of the big real takeaways uh, on Saturday, because Canelo dominated the fight any way you want to look at it, and for it to be that close on two cards is absolutely ridiculous. All right, again, we're talking to Sam Gordon here on the fight game, and you mentioned how Canelo looked dominant, and Triple G just looked every bit of 40. He's a battered old man, and excuse me, I don't mean to brag on him too hard. He could probably still beat some elite competition, but just couldn't hang with Canelo on Saturday. So for Canelo, what would be next? Did he prove to look that he's back in top condition, or should he move up? Should he stay where he's at? What's going to be next for Canelo? Yeah, Devon, that's, that's kind of the million-dollar question in boxing right now is, is what is he going to do? As the, you know, the face of the sport, more or less, he gets to essentially pick his own fights and who he wants to fight. And his uh, two-fight two deal with Matchroom Boxing, A.E. Hearn, uh, expired in the zone. So now, as a promotional free agent, he can kind of sit back and uh, more or less decide what he wants to do because of the payday that comes with fighting Canelo. I mean, pretty much any, you know, any uh, opponent, any prospective opponent is going to be ready and going to be willing to take that fight. So... Uh, I think it's important that we clear up. He, he mentioned after the fight in the post-fight press conference that he's been dealing with some corn, uh, torn cartilage in his left wrist since his victory last November over Caleb Plant. So that's going to necessitate surgery, uh, potentially a 12-week, um, as many as 12 weeks of rehab. So will he come back in May? I'm not sure. He didn't know either. Uh, potentially May, potentially September. I, I think it's probably you know fair to err on the side of caution and, and say September. Uh, but... For me, there's only one fight to make at this juncture in time, and that's against David Benavidez at 168 pounds. That is the premier fight at 168 pounds. It would be a massive promotion. David Benavidez, of course, the two-time uh, former two-time WBC super middleweight champion, lost the belt uh, outside of the ring both times, got stripped 
once for a drug violation and once for missing weight, but he is back in form. We saw that. We've seen that in his last few fights. At 168 pounds, he comes forward. He has power in both hands. He has hand speed. He has the aggressive kind of style um, that has given Canelo Alvarez problems in the past. And for me, it's just a fantastic matchup stylistically and pitting, I believe, the two best 168 pounders against one another. Of course, there are other options. You know, Canelo wants to get that Bebo loss back, the loss to Dimitri Bebo at 175 pounds. Back, there's an interesting fight in November between Dimitri Bebo and Zerto Ramirez. Bebo defending that title um, abroad. And we'll kind of see how the outcome of that fight might determine what Canelo does next. But for me, uh, Benavides is a fight to make. Uh, Bebo would be, I mean, there's a, a ton of storylines there. Uh, and then, of course, Jamal Charlo, if he wants to come up from 160. But let's not forget, he's the, he's the, the, the WBC champion at 160 pounds. So he might not come up. Uh, there's not, I, don't think there's any, I don't think we should assume that he's going to because, again, he is an active champion. But those, to me, DeMond, feel like the three the three main options, and there's no doubt about it. Again, I want to see, I think a lot of the boxing public wants to see Canelo um, and David Benavides. That's the fight to make. I don't know if that's next, but I would be shocked if one of the three opponents wasn't what's next for Canelo when he does make his return um, from his wrist injury. And you mentioned that this was Canelo's last fight on DAZN. How did the fight do in terms of pay-per-view vice, and do you think that Canelo is going to re-sign with DAZN, or is he going to go elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, that's another great question. Um, you know, there's been reports out. I mean, DAZN announced more than a million buys globally last night or yesterday. Of course, that's a little different than what you're getting in the U.S. And Dan Rayfield, longtime veteran boxing journalist, reported that it did, I believe, between 525,000 and 550,000 buys in America alone. And that was the, you know, the more expensive price point, the price point abroad significantly cheaper. So that would, that would, if those numbers, uh, I mean, would re- reflective of, I guess you would say, a disappointing. Uh, promotion. I mean, the first two fights both did over a million pay-per-views here. Of course, different platform. That was HBO. HBO, more or less the standard of boxing, um, boxing production in those days. So uh, not necessarily a surprise that it was fewer numbers. But when you have uh, stars of that magnitude, Canelo Alvarez, Triple G, and, and their history and rivalry to draw from, uh, the fact that it only did around 550,000 buys in the U.S. has to be considered a little disappointing. Uh, it, it is in regards to you know what Canelo does in the future, um, Demond. If he if he takes the Bebo fight, Bebo of course co-promoted by Matchroom, um, and you heard that would be on his own. It would probably be something you know a one fight deal, a single fight deal um, there. But but anything beyond that would most likely be with Showtime from your boxing champions. Of course, um, it's aligned with David David Benavidez and Jamal Charlo. So that would be a Showtime production. And let's not forget uh, the last time Canelo fought on Showtime, he did a one fight deal with PBC. Uh, to fight Caleb Plant uh, last November, that was 800,000 buys. I mean, I, w- I would say that's a pretty successful pay-per-view, and it, it, didn't, it wasn't the same cost that this event cost to put on. You're looking at $45 million for Canelo Alvarez and $20 million um, for Triple G. That's, that's $65 million right there. So they needed uh, a million buys uh, domestically to, to, to more or less break even. I think the gate was solid. There was definitely um, a good crowd on Saturday, uh, a, a vibrant crowd, despite you know, the, some of the letdown during the main event. Uh, but this was a this was a disappointment financially, and uh, and again, I, I think um, the 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 Benavides fight, the Charlo fight, the Bivol fight uh, are are all huge and big options for him uh, moving forward, and would all probably do a little better because I think just w- with this trilogy, uh, as important as it was and as exciting as it was for for a lot of boxing fans, there's a lot of people who thought, hey, this is two three years too late, uh, and the pay per view eyes reflected that. Talking to Sam Gordon here on the fight game, and only a couple more questions for you, but I've got to ask you. Excuse me. You're talking about Benavidez, and he is with PBC, and he's basically asking, why hasn't the Charlo fight been made? I know that he's been talking a lot about fights that haven't been made. Do you think that people are ducking him, or is he just talking the big game to hype himself up? 
Yeah, I mean, I do think there's, I do, I, I do think he's being ducked. Quite frankly, um, he he's and you watch him fight. The man, you go on YouTube, watch some of his clips. It's, it's easy to see why he's an he's an absolute machine in the ring. Again, the hand speed, the size, and the length um, in that particular division. He's you know six two. He's long. Um, he can fight from the outside, but he can walk you down too. And he's only getting. Uh, better and better. He's an absolute challenge for anybody in the division stylistically. I think um, Canelo. I think I think Canelo. Of course, um, he would be favored in that matchup and has more tools. I think to draw from. Uh, but there's there's a reason we haven't seen any top competitors in there with Benavidez, and that's because it's a tremendous risk um, to get in there with the ring with him because because of how just how dominant he's been. I, again, I think you have to ref, you know you have to measure his level of competition, and it, it hasn't been quite as high. Uh, as some some others, um, some of his peers. But with that said, that's not all on him. He is called. He's consistently called for big names. He is called for the big fights. And yeah, you have to do some self promo at a certain point. And I think he's he's obviously you know good at that and understanding of that. But he, he's again he's a load for anybody at 168. And 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 I'm wondering uh, too if if he doesn't get one of these marquee fights at 168 pounds sometime soon, whether it be a Caleb Plant, whether it be a David Morrell. Uh, whether it be a Jamal Charlo, whether, whether whether he moves up and and they stage that fight is kind of a prelude where the winner would get Canelo. Uh, I, if he doesn't, I can see him moving up to 175 pounds and campaigning at light heavyweight because again his build suggests that he could maybe even go up to cruiserweight um, one day. And there are big fights to be made at 175 pounds if nobody wants to come see him at 168. So he is um, without a doubt, I think, one of the most exciting fighters, exciting young fighters in boxing, and somebody with a world of potential in, in multiple weight classes for sure. I'm going to get you out of here with this one. November 19th, it looks like we're going to get the long-awaited fight at 147. Spence Crawford, what are your initial thoughts on this fight actually being announced? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, Demond, it's, it's, it's huge, right? And, and once once Penn goes to paper and everything is official, this will be I, I, this is a generational kind of fight. I mean, this is, you know, Tommy Hearn, Sugar Ray Leonard has two undefeated welterweights. We know that's one of the most glamorous divisions in boxing in their respective primes. All four belts on the line. There's, of course, this has been brewing and, and, and cooking for five, six years now uh, since these two both really emerged as top tier fighters um, in, in the sport and, and, and champions uh, with the credentials that they have. Um, it, it's massive. It's massive. And, and you, you see the early betting line. I don't know what it is now, but I think Crawford opened at minus 120 and Spence at even money. That It's a 50 50 fight. You cannot do any better than that when you're talking about staging a fight, the significance. The, the, the level of competition, how good these, these, these fighters are, where they're at in their respective careers, what's on the line, an absolute generational um, mega fight, and would without a doubt represent the biggest fight uh, in boxing, not only this year, but in the last several. So it's huge. It's huge. And the fact that it's you know, likely coming to Las Vegas, MGM Grand um, Garden, uh, no, no better place. That's the, uh, the home of boxing. That's the right place for the fight. And it, it, it's going to be a massive event, a massive spectacle. Um, I cannot wait. Uh, for when this fight is going to happen, and and um, again, fifty fifty. So I'm gonna have to sit on, you know, sit on my analysis for a while and really kind of figure out what, which way I'm leaning because these are two top five pound for pound fighters again in their absolute peaks, and um, we don't get this very, we don't get this every day, we don't get this every year, we don't get this every five years. This is a massive, massive fight. So cannot wait for November nineteenth. Oh, I know it's going to be a massive fight because as soon as it was announced last Thursday, I was already getting the text from Cousins about, hey, man, can I stay with you on the 19th? You know, we coming out on the 19th. And it's like, man, y'all are ready for this. Like, this fight has been so long anticipated. Sam, thank you for joining me here on the fight game, man. Let everybody know what you got going on at the Review Journal. Yeah, we got a lot going on in Vegas right now, DeMond, outside of the fight game. Um, some Raiders, you know, some UNLV. Uh, 
some aces. I was involved covering the aces playoff run and uh, going to be covering a little G League Ignite coming up. Uh, I have a feature uh, in the works on a uh, one of their star players, G League Ignite, beginning their first season here in Las Vegas in the forthcoming weeks and excited to uh, to uh, get that underway. You can follow all my work at ReviewJournal.com on Twitter at Gordon. So I appreciate you having me, DeMond. I love coming on the show. Keep doing what you're doing and look, looking forward to talking with you soon. All right, real quick, one last one. How much fun did you have at the parade? Yep. <laughs> the, it was it was dope. It was dope. It was really cool uh, to see the city show out, and, and uh, of course the Aces, right, representing as the first major league professional sports champions here in Vegas. Um, it was an awesome scene, an awesome setting. Can only imagine how much fun it was uh, for the players because I had a good time being there as well. So um, great for the city, great for the franchise, and definitely reflective uh, of the standard that they have set uh, with their championship ways and what, what they've been able to do. Um, the Aces, of course, in their in their five years in Las Vegas. All right, Sam. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it, man. Talk soon. Take care. And that was Sam Gordon from the Review Journal joining me here on The Fight Game. And when we come back, we're going to dive deep into the world of professional wrestling. This is The Fight Game on 1230. World Champion! Welcome back to the Fight Game. I'm pleased to introduce my next guest, the owner, the booker for AEW, Mr. Tony Khan. Tony, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. And following another spectacular AEW Grand Slam, how are you feeling about the event and where the company is going? Well, I feel amazing about AEW Grand Slam. We're halfway there. We had an amazing AEW Dynamite Grand Slam live on TBS last night. And now we're coming up on the biggest Friday night rampage of the year, tomorrow night on TNT, two hours of Friday night rampage, the biggest card we've ever had on rampage, so many of the biggest stars. And if you got a chance to see the show on TBS last night, you know what Grand Slam's all about. And now we got all these big grudge matches coming up tomorrow night on TNT, and some of the biggest stars in all of pro wrestling are going to be wrestling tomorrow on TNT at Grand Slam Rampage tomorrow night. All right, something that I want to ask about Rampage before we talk about Dynamite a little too much is Action Bronson, one of my favorite rappers. He's going to have a chance to step into the AEW ring with Hook, the man who he does the entrance song for. How did it come about to get Action Bronson actually in the ring for AEW? Well, first of all, Hook has been a huge fan of Action Bronson, and Hook suggested to me the chairman's intent as his entrance theme, and it sounded like a great idea. And then when we reached out to Action Bronson, he was very willing to work with AEW. And then the more we talked, Action Bronson really thought someday he'd be a great wrestler. And we saw he got physically involved at All Out, helping Hook fight off these sports entertainers from Jericho's Jericho Appreciation Society. Great to have two of the most improved wrestlers in the world, in my opinion, Angela Parker and Daddy Magic, Matt Menard, taking on Hook and Action Bronson tomorrow night on TNT. It's a must-watch match tomorrow night. 
Yeah, and speaking of dynamite, you mentioned the sports entertainers, but the entertainment part of AEW is so important. And a group that I want to talk about, a tag team, the acclaimed, after All Out, you could just feel it a little bit that that buzz was in the arena. I mean, even to be asked in the post-match press conference, hey, did people think that maybe a, a fly, a switch should have been made on the fly for the decision there? Just speak to the acclaimed, how they have built that natural buzz off of being entertainment. Because I have to say, catchphrases work. I don't want to repeat them live on air. I might get taken off. Sometimes I'm like, they're going too far. But just speak to that entertainment factor that the acclaimed provide for AEW. The acclaimed are one of the greatest homegrown acts we have here in AEW. They're two of our top stars as individuals, and they formed the winningest tag team ever in AEW. They're great unit and Max Caster, Anthony Bowens, uh, they deserve all the great success they've had in AEW, and I just think the world of both of them, and they say everybody loves the acclaimed, and from what I've seen, that's true. I love the acclaimed, and uh, really think they're a huge part of the future of AEW, and, and they've already been in some of the great matches we've had, and I think they'll continue to be a big part of AEW going forward. All right, again, we're talking to Tony Khan, the owner of AEW. E-W. And last night on Dynamite, Tony, you have Brian Danielson and John Moxley. Just when it came to booking the entire tournament, did you see that it was going to end in that route there to have two of the members of the Blackpool Combat Club? And what did it mean for the gate? Is this one of the big money matches that you didn't expect that it was going to happen so soon in AEW? Well, it's absolutely one of the biggest matches we could have had. To, and for the Grand Slam Tournament of Champions, all these huge matches, you know, it had to culminate in a big final, and I don't think we could have asked for a better match than Brian Danielson versus John Moxley for the AEW World Championship that we had last night on AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. It was a really classic match, classic rivalry that turned into a great partnership after their first match. And it was amazing that this was how they ended up back in the ring together after their first match ever at Revolution that had led to this year being a great partnership between Danielson and Moxley. And then the match they had last night was tremendous and very excited about both John Moxley and Brian Danielson and about this Grand Slam Tournament of Champions we've had. All right, Tony, and another rivalry that I want to ask you about, another feud, but this is going to be taking place on Rampage, Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks. This has just been one of those one of those programs where you love to see it because Ricky Starks, I didn't know if it was going to work as a babyface, but he has just been white hot. I think that Ricky Starks has been phenomenal. And the feud with Powerhouse Hobbs, what do you see about these two homegrown stars that you've loved and wanted to keep them together working in a program even though that they've broken up as a tag team? Well, I think certainly wrestling fans all over the world have seen Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks, absolute Ricky Starks, as a great team and uh, part of Team Taz for a long time. And they were one of the most successful teams in AEW. And then now they've really split and become big rivals fighting for the spotlight. And they had a match at all out. Really, we saw powerhouse Hobbs exert 
that physical strength, that size and power that he's got. And I do believe that this match, you're going to see Ricky Starks has put 100% of his focus and attention into it. So I think we can see an even better, bigger, more exciting match here at Grand Slam Rampage tomorrow night on TNT as part of this huge show. That's the kind of huge grudge matches we want on Grand Slam. Starks versus Hobbs is what it's all about. All right, Tony Khan, only a few more questions for you. I have to ask you about the devil, one of the most polarizing wrestlers that you have in AEW, MJF. When it came to the decision to bring him back, I don't really care about too much of the backstage goings on, all the dirt sheet stuff, but just to bring him back, have you seen, I know it's only been a few weeks, but have you seen that uptick of, let's say, social media traffic or just people talking about MJF because he is a superstar in AEW? Oh, yes. There's been a huge amount of controversy around MJF, and certainly it's helped our business, and we've seen great TV ratings, and a big reason is the return of MJF, and certainly fans around the world are captivated when he speaks, and also when he gets in the ring and wrestles, he makes a big difference, and he's one of the best on the mic and also one of the greats in the ring. And having MJF back in AEW wrestling, it's going to be tremendous. And now he's looming over the championship picture. So it's, it's exciting stuff. I'm, I'm really uh, excited to have MJF back in AEW. It's, it's exciting stuff. And Tony, for the AEW Rampage that's taking place tomorrow on Friday night, the Golden Ticket Battle Royal, I know that you guys, you usually do your Battle Royals a little bit differently. Is there a special stipulation? <clears throat> excuse me. Is there a special stipulation in this Battle Royal? Well, the winner of the Battle Royal will be getting a title shot at a set place and time. Uh, and, you know, we'll be establishing a little bit more about that, talking about when and where that match is going to take place. The winner of the Grand Slam Golden Ticket Battle Royal will have uh, an appointment with the world champion. So that's something to keep an eye on. It'll be a big match. All right, Tony. Thank you so much for your time today. I love that you said an appointment with the AEW champion. Oh man, that's that's really um that's really keeping me on my toes. But for next week, is there anything that you can give away even the location of where next week Dynamite's going to be as I know with AEW, you're always looking forward. You're always looking to build on what's coming next. Sure, we have a big show in Philadelphia next week. It's going to be very convenient for me not only after this great <laughs> AEW in New York, but be great to go to Philly, another one of the great wrestling cities. And like I said, it'll be convenient for me because then the Jaguars are playing the Eagles in Philly later that week. So we'll have a great dynamite and rampage in Philadelphia next week. And then I get to follow it up with the Jaguars in town to play the Eagles. But that's all next week. We're focused on this week. Had a great AEW Dynamite Grand Slam last night and going to continue it on TNT tomorrow night, Friday night rampage Grand Slam. Two hours on TNT starting at 10 o'clock. It's going to be a great night of wrestling. Don't miss it. And that was Tony Khan from AEW, and I mean, Dynamite was spectacular. John Moxley is putting the company on his back again. This is a guy who mentioned in that promo a few weeks ago he was supposed to be on vacation, and now he's a three-time AEW world champion. The acclaimed. Everybody loves the acclaimed. New tag team champions in AEW, and... I didn't want to say it with Tony Khan because I didn't know I didn't know what his reaction was going to be, but I'm going to say it for all of you. 
Scissor me daddy is the best catchphrase in all of wrestling. The acclaimed, everyone loves the acclaimed, and they are the new AEW tag team champions. Just so much good work that's going on in AEW. And don't worry, there's more coming up tomorrow night on AEW Rampage, which is going to be two hours from Arthur Ashe Stadium. Excuse me. I need a moment of silence so I can get into a meditative state where I block out any and all irritating white noise. I call it my happy place. Un momento! Un momento! I'll do you one better. Wait a minute. I see what's going on here. I'll do you one better. Wait a minute. No. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. A few minutes later... All right, and that extremely long imaging means that it's time for a few good minutes with Jared. And Jared, I wanted to bring you the few good minutes because I saw that Tom Hardy recently was a secret entrant in a jujitsu competition. And I really don't know why Tom Hardy is a secret entrant in a jujitsu competition, but I want to talk about it. He is definitely, of all the actors in the entire world, he is the only one that I'm like, yeah, no, that dude's seen some stuff, and he's done some stuff, and I do not want a piece of that at all. He's not acting, he's reliving it. Yeah, like, so, like, anytime they show 55-year-old Tom Cruise without a shirt on, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I can take him. There are certain actors that I'm like, yeah, I definitely could, I can beat the crap out of that guy. No, no, I, I do not want anything, I do not want any part of Tom Hardy. And the fact that he could actually just show up unannounced, like, did he do, like, walk off the set of Peaky Blinders, see a flyer, and go, like, ah, I got some time. It just, like. But I wonder, was he already going to be in the competition, but he told him, hey, don't announce me, don't put me on the flyer, you know, I'm Tom Hardy. I don't want, like, droves of crazy fans to be here. I don't know how famous he actually is. But maybe if you see Tom Hardy's in a jiu-jitsu competition, that brings some people who weren't going to be there in the first place. I mean, it also might bring out some people who want to, you know, prove that they're tough guys and are like, oh, I'm going to go beat up the guy from Warrior. Oh, no, that'd bring up some ex- – I think they would like that. The uh, whatever comp- competition committee this is, if they, that's going to be more signees, you know, for your tournament. More entrance fees. Yeah, more entrance. Yeah, yeah. You get to get another extra 50 bucks from, the, from whoever thinks they can beat up the guy from Warrior. But let's talk about Warrior just a little bit here. And we also bring in Danny. I see Danny's itching to get in on this conversation, too. If you if you were to beat him, <laughs> would you brag about beating the guy from Warrior, or would you brag about beating Bane? Yeah, that's a good question. Or or Mad Max. Like I beat up Mad, I beat up Mad Max. I beat up uh, Bane. I would, I would go with Bane. Yeah, actually, that's a good one. Beat up Bane is a very very good one, except for the fact that this version of Bane was the non roided up version of Bane, so... You know, I mean, know he what? looked pretty roided up. I, you know, I would just want to say, I was wondering what would break first, your spirit or your body, as I take his arm off. <laughs> but one of my... I, I want to say, and I don't think this is a real MMA, one of my favorite things about Warrior is I'm pretty sure he has... Someone has him in an arm bar, and he lifts them up in the arm bar and slams them down. That's a real thing that happens all the time, Jared. Okay, I do not. I do. That's that's a level of strength that I don't comprehend. Matt Hughes literally knocked out Carlos Condit by doing that. As he slammed him to the mat, Condit was out. How realistic was Warrior? Uh, now, see, I was talking to Demon about this before you walked in too, and I. <laughs> 
when I first saw that and and they were fighting multiple times in one night, I was like, all right, this is absolutely crazy. It would never happen. And then about three years ago, I covered the PFL and that's how they do their playoffs. I was like, all right, it's a, it's it's realistic. I thought um, at one point originally the uh, what you want to call it, the the UFC at the very, very, very beginning would do like Grand Prix style fights. But the, oh, yeah, problem, right. the problem was is that last fight of the night was two exhausted guys who just got the crap beat out of them. Yeah. So the fight wasn't that great. Yeah, you're 100% right, Jared. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so they're like, all right, maybe maybe we maybe we spread this out a little bit because uh yeah, just having some having a shamrock in there who's just uh, 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 come on, we gotta do this. <laughs> May not be the best entertainment. Yeah, that's that's literally how the old UFC was, Jared. And I mean there's no sugarcoating it at all. That's that's what it was. Did you guys see what Tom Hardy looked like at this tournament? He no, looked, he, Yo, he was pretty big. I've seen it. Well, not even that, but like just his facial and like his hair. He looks like a bum just walked into a tournament. It was like, oh, I think I could do this. Well, He's not acting. Well, that's the that's the part that I really enjoy is that like they tried to put him in like romantic comedies and it didn't work. And so they're just now like, all right, uh, we need someone to play like kind of just a horribly scraggly guy who kind of like makes moonshine who could we get well tom hardy's out there uh, begging for change we could just go grab him because yeah. he's already looks like a guy from 1927 who's down on his luck oh what was that movie called or you lawless yeah lawless. Ah, look lawless. at us that was great Oh, that's just gonna do it for us here on the fight game this has been an excellent way to wrap up the show i don't even know like tom hardy this jiu-jitsu competition somewhere in england it's really just more about the guy from warrior is actually living the story from warrior so for danny for jared for sam gordon tony khan even roman reigns man we had a jam-packed show today so many stars but we ended it talking about the biggest star of them all tom hardy this has been The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Remember, protect yourself at all times and stay safe, everybody.